TT Pro Talk Podcast, the fastest way to increase your knowledge with the brightest minds of physical therapy in your pocket. Welcome to PT Pro Talk Podcast. I am Mariana Tondo, your host for today. In this episode, Benifer Bugley will talk about her career and her experience with vestibular rehab and craniosacral therapy. Benifer has 30 years of experience and she is the clinical director at Physical Therapy and Balance Center at the Michigan Ear Institute. She is also an instructor at the Upledger Institute, where she teaches craniosacral therapy for pediatrics and introductory level classes internationally. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to PT Pro Talk, Benifer. How are you feeling today? Good. How are you, Mariana? I'm good as well. Saturday, shiny, nice weather. So everything is fine here. That's true. Cannot complain. Yeah, we can't complain. We don't like winter. I don't like winter, so I prefer the summer. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Let's jump right in. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, and how did you get to where you are right now? I'm originally from India, so I've been a PT like 30 years now. It's almost 30 years. And um, when I first graduated, I knew everything, okay? But then I started working with patients and I realized I really don't know that much. And so over the years, I started taking different classes and various topics and it's led me to where I am today, I guess. Nice. Because you just recognize the more you know, you recognize the less you actually do know. And there's so much that there is to learn. Very true. Very true. So I know that you work in uh, acute care, inpatient rehab, in outpatient clinics for many years, 25, 30 years. So how did you start your interest in, in craniosacral therapy and vestibular rehab? You know, um, I've always been passionate about anatomy and just knowing how the human body works and then learning that. So in working in all these multidisciplinary clinics and different settings, you get to learn from each other. You get to see a colleague who might take a class in something that sounds interesting or somebody takes a day off and you cover their patients and you get to see a different approach to treatment then you know, it just kind of widens your little box thinking a little bit and then you start taking classes so uh, I heard one of my friends who took something called craniosacral therapy and they were talking about it and I thought hmm okay maybe but then when I saw the results they got with their patients I went and took a class and I haven't looked back since that was I think in the mid 90s (laughs) that I took my first cranial but it's just different, you know, once, once you see a patient or hear about a topic that sparks an interest in you, you just do more and more of that. And I think it looks nice. It looks um, good to have all these different experiences in the different settings. Probably you learn a lot from yeah. acute care to outpatient clinics, and you probably you were exposed to a lot of the different approaches. So I think that's nice to give you like a broad view of physical therapy, not get stuck in one thing, right? That's, that's amazing. So now currently you are working in collaboration with other um, doctors, uh, neuro 
otolar I knew that I wouldn't pronounce this <laughs> word correctly otolaryngologists and you correct me if I'm wrong um, school-based surgeons helping to start a clinic specializing in vestibular and balance rehab uh, disease and false prevention craniosacral therapy and other customized service right I think that's very different that you offer something um, different from the tradition of physical therapy, uh, focusing more on like a holistic approach. So what other techniques do you use and what do you think is the biggest benefit from having a holistic approach? It's a lot of different questions in one. So <laughs> let me just start by saying, you know, I'm really lucky to have this opportunity to be part of Michigan Ear Institute. Um, it's a group, it's one of the largest, if not the largest group of neuro-otolaryngologists in the country, maybe even in the world. So they're skull-based surgeons, they, they deal, if you are familiar with ENTs, the ear, nose, and throat specialists, mm -hmm. they specialize, these are super specialists, they specialize in the E of the ENT, the ear only. So they do any problems that you have with ears, they deal mostly with that. So I'm really privileged actually um, to be able to work closely with such brilliant minds and then also get to know them on a personal level. So it's, it's wonderful. Um, as far as the different techniques, I want to say, you know, as a physical therapist, whatever bag of techniques, whatever bag of tricks, if you will, you have with you, um, just before you start throwing different things at the patient, just learn to listen. Listen with your ears, but also listen, you know, listen with your hands. So you, you're giving the patient an extra five minutes or so, extra 10 minutes to say their piece. And sometimes within that, you will pick up little cues that you might not if you're rushing through an evaluation. Same thing when you listen with your hands. Give the body's tissues a chance to speak to you to, so for, you can get a sense of what it is that the body's trying to show you. You watch how they move through your clinic. And the techniques just emerge depending on what your skill set is and what you have in your um, tool belt. As far as a holistic approach, I think I love it because over the years I've, you know, like we said, I've worked in different settings and taken all kinds of different courses. And I've realized that a person is bigger than just a diagnosis. So really it's um, to, to just recognize that with a holistic approach, you, you get a sense of the fact that the person um, progress with physical therapy depends not just on your skill level, but it also depends on what kind of comorbidities do they have? What kind of lifestyle do they lead? Um, what their belief systems are? So there's a lot of um, factors to be taken into account and each person's recovery or progress in physical therapy um, depends on a lot more than just one diagnosis or one uh, protocol. And so being holistic in our approach, I think it really helps improve their prognosis. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%. And I think nowadays it's becoming harder and harder for people to focus on the big picture. They become so specialized that they forget about the connections and everything that we should pay attention in the, the on the patient's body is not just a knee or just a hip 
because even though I do vestibular rehab, I also specialize, like you said, in craniosacral therapy. I've done, you know, mulligans and a little bit of McKenzie and a little bit, you know, I do a little, some visceral manipulation and lymph drainage. And so you throw in whatever it is that the person's body needs in that moment. And usually when you can support the body in the way that it's asking for, the person's recovery is much faster and much further. I think being trained to recognize what the patient needs and having all these tools and being able to choose which one fits best with the patient conditions on that time, I think that's the, the key, right? To be to have a successful treatment. I'm just curious, so like we work with these uh, neurosurgeons and very specialized, so do they refer the patients? Like you work together, how the interaction works? in regards to that? So um, the clinic that um, I helped develop, they, it actually uh, is owned by Michigan Ear Institute because um, they, you know, they're a group of nine to 10 surgeons and they're all amazing, amazing in their own way. And what they realized was that when they would send people for physical therapy, for vestibular rehabilitation to different places, um, the people would come back and they would say, well, I'm not better. I did therapy. But they couldn't figure out if it was the therapy that was not done well and that is why there was no recovery or was it that the person just is beyond therapy and needs something else or cannot recover. So they wanted to control that um, variable factor. And so they decided to go ahead and open their own clinic and so they bought into this franchise called Physical, and um, and so we are owned by the Michigan Ear Institute. And so they, they do refer a lot of patients that they feel are at risk for falls or people who have, you know, benign positional vertigo need, have their crystals out of place and need to uh, be repositioned or maybe they are multifactorial. They have, you know, you have an 85-year-old who has BPPV, but maybe they also have a hip replacement and uh, whatever else. And they can't, they haven't moved in six months because they're so scared. And now with the virus, they haven't left their house. Okay. So we get a lot of people um, who have multifactorial issues, but we also get 20 year olds who have maybe a concussion or, um, you know, had other issue reasons why they are dizzy or off balance or have issues. And so um, to figure out what it is that the person needs and cater to that, make it appropriate. Nice. I think it, it should be I don't so... Know. Did I answer that question? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I went on no, no, it's fine. I think it, I was just imagining here, like it should be great to work with um, these clinicians so closely and exchange information about the patients and how the, the, the cases are progressing. I think it should be like perfect, right? It makes it's our life so much easier. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and I nice. think they appreciate it because they know who the person is going to. And I definitely, I feel blessed to be able to work so closely with them. Because, you know, they, I mean, if they are not sure, they can refer and then we refer back and it, it helps 
it, it's almost like you're caring for the person in whatever way that patient needs rather than throwing them into a pro, um, go to the bicycle, go run on the treadmill and hope you get better. Get yeah. some ultrasound while you're at it. And, and to have professionals that you trust work with you, right? So you don't have to worry about, you already know who they are, you trust them, they your work. So it just makes everything easier. And easier for the patient, the patient is the one that is the most the most benefit from all of this, right? So that's nice, Absolutely. very nice. So our clinic has been really open for about a year now. And um, we do, of course, uh, there's, we are physical therapists, so we do everything that, you know, any physical therapist can do, but we've tried to cater the clinic and design the clinic for specifically for balance problems and dizziness and one-on-one um, -on -one issues where we get a lot of clients who come in, they drive like seven hours, they'll stay overnight in a hotel to get a consultation from these physicians, come in, see us, get their program, and then, you know, go back. Or they might come in, they drive in two hours just to get a cranial session once in a while to help because it supports them in their progress. So. Um, we see a lot of people who've been to different clinics where they see 30 people a day, one therapist, and they're like, well, I'm not better. And then um, we put our hands on them and they wonder how we can afford to spend so much time with each person and how they're suddenly everything's falling into place. Yeah. So we've, I've, I've worked very hard to make sure that it's a more of a one-on-one -on -one approach and that we're trying to tailor the treatment to what each person needs rather than throwing them into a protocol or um, or just having this little routine of everybody gets this, this, and this, and then uh, going from there. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think that's how every physical therapy should work. So could you tell us uh, a little bit more about the vestibular imbalance rehab that you do and also explain a little bit about the Disney's and the fall uh, prevention programs. And since we've been, we've been seeing that people are living much longer, so I think the fall prevention also very important with people aging. Yes. So could you just tell us a little bit, like how does that work in, in the clinic? Well, vestibular system really, if you think about it, is it's, it's one of the most earliest systems to develop in our uh, embryologically speaking. So. Um, it develops, I think, it starts to develop week five when most women may not even know that they're pregnant or just finding out that they're pregnant. So it's already developing at that time and it's, it helps orient us to space and gravity and tells us where our body is in space. Um, so it, it, it's one of the key systems as far as imbalance or dizziness is concerned, right? And um, Dizziness and imbalance, they're just symptoms. We as therapists need to figure out the cause, which is what we do at the clinic. Um, the other key systems that really help a person balance are your vision and the proprioceptive system, your proprioception. So um, the information that comes through your joints, um, that comes through telling you where, again, and how much pressure you have going through where. And um, it also, all three systems work together like a committee, making decisions together. But vestibular system really is the um, key. If you have a person who has joint problems or restrictions or muscle weakness, that can affect their balance also. Um, in the clinic, in addition to 
all the regular PT evaluations and we have outcome measure tools that we use uh, to evaluate their uh, you know, balance and dizziness and the causes for those problems. We also have um, the Neurocom system for, it's like a computerized dynamic posturography machine where it um, evaluates the person's sensory organization for all these systems to see, are they depending more on their vision are they relying on their vision even if the information from the vision is inaccurate? Or are they losing their balance when you remove proprioceptive or somatosensory information? What happens to their balance then? Uh, how much, uh, how efficient are they in using their vestibular system to balance? So it helps give us a good um, readout for how they organize their um, systems in order to help them balance. Um, the other thing that we have is overhead rails. So we have overhead rails put in in our clinic, and we have five-point harnesses that hook up to those rails. And they are all throughout the ceiling of our clinic. So they, they're not confined to one area. We can do all kinds of crazy balance um, evaluations, balance treatments, challenge them with balance issues without worrying about them falling. So if, um, you know, if the therapist is like five foot tall and the patient is six foot four, you are not going to be able to hold them up on a step and still have them challenge their balance safely. So this gives us um, a lot more security. It helps the patients um, feel more secure in doing and challenging themselves beyond their limits. So it really helps us with our treatment protocol. And really, we, with all of this, we customize our approach so that it's individual-based, it's one-on-one. -on -one. We are never juggling five people at the same time. It's, uh, it's all one-on-one -on -one, um, tailored towards the person and what their needs are. Um, so that's where we're at. Um, I do want to mention that we also, the physicians also have a group of audiologists with them. And they have a chair called the Omniax chair. So, you know, we mentioned repositioning for crystals with Epley's and mm -hmm. all of that. So the chair is actually, I think, one of a handful in the world. Oh, so wow. um, it, it's con connected to a computer and you get into that chair and then it can take you through assessing for BPPV in each one of the six canals. And depending on which one it is, it'll take you through the Epley's maneuver for that canal. Nice. So um, between all of that, you know, I think we work together as a team to really help the person. Because with the chair, you get strapped in. So if you have a 90-year-old that doesn't have neck movement, that has back problems, you can't really do Epley's on a flat surface and drop their heads back if they have mobility issues with their spine. So once you get strapped into the chair, your whole body is taken through those repositioning movements. So oh, very, um, <laughs> yes. Sophisticated. <laughs> that's, that's cool. It must be exciting yeah. to work with all these tools to help you. That's true. That's true. Um, so just a quick question about that. So this, this vestibular rehab is like exercise based are like, do you do this maneuver? Do you do exercise? There is other techniques. Yes, I just yes. know the basics, so I'm just. <laughs> so yes, yes, and yes. Um, we do manual maneuvers where we are, you know, repositioning. If they have BPPV, you assess 
you're looking for um, nystagmus, right? And to mm -hmm. see which canal the crystals are loosened. So we have frenzel lenses that uh, where they cannot fixate and focus on a target. And so you dim all the lights, which by the way, when we designed the clinic, we didn't put any fluorescent lights because people who have concussions, people who are sensitive, they do, um, fluorescents are not really the ideal lighting for them. So we have more LED and we have the light kind of lights that can dim. We've put in flooring where the sound is dulled a little bit so it doesn't echo so much. So we've tried to kind of cater it um, sensory wise too for the people. Um, so to answer your question, we do have friends of lenses. We will go put them on and go through repositioning uh, manually. We have exercises that they can do uh, with for gaze stabilization, like vestibular ocular reflex, saccades, those type of things. Um, we do cervical like joint position error testing and we can, um, you know, work with that. We do a lot of, um, you know, I mean, of course, if your legs are not strong enough to balance you, then you can't. So we do some strengthening for them. Uh, we do somatosensory challenges. So we have a shuttleboard where, say, you are on a firm surface, so it doesn't feel like you're standing on a cushion, but at the same time, your firm surface is moving. Mm -hmm. So they have to adapt to that uh, versus, say, standing on a cushion or a, you know, like a Dynadisc, which is like an air balloon type of thing mm -hmm. where you would stand and balance. So we put in different challenges. Um, we throw in different, you know, um, working with like balanced reaction types of exercises because it's one thing to stand and know in your mind that I'm going to take a step. So now I need to do this, right, and get the cognitive part. But when you are uh, in the moment and you lose your balance, the balance reactions have to happen within within fractions of a second. So in order to practice that, that overhead railing and the harness really keeps them safe. And we can, and we try to make it fun. We can play soccer, we can, you know, throw a ball. Um, I think my current favorite is I have a little ball that is not round. It is, it has flat surfaces. And mm -hmm. so it bounces in different directions when you bounce it. And so they have to walk and catch that and you know, do some kind of cognitive task at the same time, like counting backwards from 100 by threes, or say the names of all the flowers that you know, or... <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> so, it, you know, it, it, it involves a lot of different systems, so it's not just one thing. And every person with the same diagnosis reacts differently to the same treatment. So you have to modify it, and it's, I think it's, that's the key is to be able to tailor it to what that person needs and what that person can tolerate. If you don't do enough, the system's not learning. If you do too much, now you are in overwhelm, there's sensory overload, and um, the person does not learn. So you're getting developing all the symptoms, but it doesn't really help so much. So we try to work within that range, and it's different, that range is different for each person. That's very interesting and sounds fun, this treatment. I it like is, it. <laughs> it keeps you interested for sure. Yeah. You know, and we have, I mean, the BPPVs, the crystals, it's more mechanical, but you could have people who get a viral infection that affects their nerve, the vestibulocochlear nerve, which is your eighth nerve, 
And so you get vestibular neuritis from that. You might have a benign tumor that's growing around or on that nerve and that needs surgery. And so then they need a different type of approach. The surgery sometimes leads to fascial tension patterns, which is where my cranial intervention comes in. So it's just a lot of different things. You could get dizzy from TMJ issues. So you have jaw problems and that's making you dizzy and giving you hikes. So um, it, that could be more manual, that could be more posture awareness and you know, um, so it depends. <laughs> I think it's very interesting, like all these different types of treatment and approaches because I don't know many people that are specialized in vestibular rehab. I don't think it's that common. So I am interested in learning all these things because it's not very common. So I'm happy to hear all of that. A lot of things that I, I didn't imagine, like these specific clinics, it looks very cool that they are so specialized yeah. and they have everything so designed for these patients. I think it's super cool. And now, as you mentioned, that you use also your cranial psychotherapy abilities to help some types of patients. So I know that you've been uh, doing cranial psychotherapy since 1996. Is that correct? Yes. So could you tell us briefly how uh, this therapy works? I don't know if I can be brief. brief. Cranial is my passion. <laughs> <laughs> So um, it really ties into our earlier discussion about holistic approach to treatment and uh, my interest in anatomy. So I started taking more cranial classes because in those classes, you learn about the interconnections of you know, um, different parts of the body and how everything's interconnected. You learn how to palpate the anatomy that we learn about in PT school. So it makes the anatomy part of things come to life. And being that that was my interest to begin with, it just really um, was very interesting for me. And the results that I got with my patients were, um, to say the least, unbelievable, because things changed and people, and that was early on when I had taken one or two classes and didn't really know what I was doing. And I still would try out a few things um, and I don't know how good I was at back then, but it made a difference for the people. And so I thought, oh, maybe there's more to this. And I kept going. And because the technique is so gentle and it's a hands-on um, technique, but it's so subtle and very gentle. And I thought, maybe I'm just imagining this because they talk about the craniosacral rhythm and you work with this rhythm. So I thought maybe it's just in my mind. So I certified, they have two levels of certification, a techniques level and a diplomate level. So I certified at both just so somebody could test me and I would know that I'm doing it right. <laughs> but, um, and then over the years now I've been teaching, I teach craniosacral level one and uh, pediatrics level one workshop. And those are all four day workshops and they're, uh, you know, um, originally craniosacral therapy uh, it has its roots in osteopathy. And Dr. John Upledger, he um, is an osteopathic, he was an osteopathic physician. He started the Upledger Institute in uh, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, and it's still there today. So if he, I would recommend anybody who is watching this, if you're ever there and interested in craniosacral, you should definitely uh, check them out. Very, very... Um, I've taken a lot of classes over the years, Mariana, and I think this institute really um, kind of is the one of the most organized and most supportive 
institutes that I've known as far as for students. So um, I do appreciate that a lot. And I've heard that from so many people across the classes that I teach. But um, they have international classes. And you can be in New Zealand and take a four-day workshop, and then you can come to US or Brazil and take a four-day workshop over there. And so they have in you know different languages and whatnot. But uh, anyway, so they they work on helping you palpate, helping you feel the different interconnections um, that the body has on a very deep level. We we learn how to evaluate and facilitate all these, um, and then correct facilitate the corrections that the body might need to make for these um, deep-seated chronic tissue tension patterns that are present. And we all have those, some more than others. One, And then the deepest layer of uh, our tissues, if you will, or the deepest layer of fascia would be your craniosacral system, which is a physiological system. It includes your meninges, those membranes that cover your brain and your spinal cord, and the fluid, your cerebrospinal fluid that flows through um, and around them. And so if you can release tension patterns at that level, it helps the body balance out a little bit better, function better, move better, um, and the organs function better. So all the areas that are either supplied or connected to uh, the areas that you help correct and release now are able to function better. And if you can get your um, treatment down to the level of the craniosacral system, which is basically the system that nourishes and supports your central nervous system, then your central nervous system can function better. And once that happens, the rest of you functions better because your central nervous system controls everything. I told you it wouldn't be short. No, that's also a perfect explanation. And I think you made it very clear the importance and how the, the, the craniosacral system connects to everything. So it makes sense. I think it makes all the right. sense. Right. You know, we, we talk about fascia. There's more and more research on fascia now. And it's it has connections to everything. And we think of it as like the mortar between our bricks, right? It has, it supports everything in our body. And so if there is a tension pattern here, it's going to affect other things that are connected to that. And then eventually, if you don't release it, eventually those things will affect something else down the line that they are connected to. And so that's where we see all these chronic tension patterns and chronic issues that people are living with, um, maybe five, 10 years, or maybe from childhood that could have been addressed. So I think I'm very fortunate that I have discovered craniosacral. And, you know, unlike other workshops or classes that we take, um, I don't think of it as a class. I think of it as a journey that you start because it helps you, it helps your family, and it helps all your clientele. It makes you a better therapist, I think. It's a very important tool in your tool belt, and one that you use constantly. <laughs> I think that's very interesting and I think it's like how I'm going to say a non-traditional technique, right, for physical therapists. We don't heard physical therapists talking about craniosacral like usually, I don't know. It's more common now than it was, say, 25 years ago when I took my class. I, I thought my friend was crazy for talking about this rhythm that you have to learn how to feel it and it's so subtle and talking about the cranial bones moving. 
But the more I read and the more research that I read, uh, it makes sense. It's just that people are, are not familiar with it and you don't know what you don't know, right? So um, I think Dr. John Upledger, I'm very grateful to him because he opened the door to, for non-physicians to learn this approach. He, um, because before that, only physicians, if you had an MD or a DO behind your name, you could learn it, but not otherwise. So, so he opened the door to non-physicians being able to learn this technique, which is phenomenal. Um, and I think he has, he has tried to simplify things, a complex system in order to help us learn. So I think we owe it to him because we're taking one man's work forward. So we owe it to him to make sure that we, um, we bring ourselves up to that level. Don't, don't dilute a work that was, you know, put, given to you. Try to um, make yourself a better therapist. Study it. This is a hands-on modality. It is a physiological system. I think we owe it to the Upledger Institute, to Dr. John Upledger specifically, to make sure that we really are true to his work and take it forward from there. I think that's true. I agree with you. And I'm, I'm glad that they open because uh, I talked once to a physical therapist um, here in Nashville, and he told me that he was kind of frustrating that he couldn't do like a osteopathic complete formation. And a lot of doctors were not interested in learning these techniques but they wouldn't allow the physical therapist to do as well. But hopefully at least we, they open these techniques so we could use the, the visceral manipulation, the cranial psychotherapy that are originally from the osteopathic, right? So, yes. so that's good. I think that's very positive and good for everybody, good for, for the patients, for our profession, for other professions. It just adds. Yeah. And I have a question uh, that you mentioned that you uh, teach, you are instructor for pediatrics as well. So how does it work with babies and kids? Um, how are the results? Uh, I imagine it's hard. Uh, I once worked with a baby uh, doing like visceral manipulation to reflux and was the result was super fast and quick. I was like amazed. I was like, how does this work so quick and so fast? So. What is your experience teaching that and working with babies? Just could you tell us a little more about that? Um, well, I think it's very important, right? Why wait till they are 50 years old and have developed all these chronic patterns of, um, you know, tension and adapt like substitutions? Uh, why not address things early on? The earlier, the better, and so they can start life at the best or greatest potential that they have and with a well-balanced body, well-balanced tissues. And so I think really when I say well-balanced, I don't mean just uh, musculoskeletal. It could also well-balanced nervous system. And so if your nervous system is well-balanced and organized, you can, you know, there's decreased neurological issues, cognitive issues, they behavioral issues, they sleep better, they poop better, they, they learn better, they can latch on easier. Uh, to feed. So there's, there's just so much benefit to knowing how to do this early on. Uh, however, having said that, 
we need to recognize that um, with babies, you they demand it's the the craniosacral techniques and the craniosacral work is very subtle hands-on work. So with children and babies specifically uh, that you mentioned, it needs they're nonverbal, and um, they're not mini adults. Their bodies are still developing. Their cranial sacral system is still developing. Their cranial bones, each bone is in, you know, has not ossified yet into one. So like you might have your temporal bone in three pieces or your occiput in four, um, which it hasn't ossified into one bone. So they demand um, a higher skill level. They demand, uh, they demand more from the therapist. And so we owe it to them as a therapist to, to um, be, you know, I would say be more skillful, if that's a word, <laughs> in, um, in what we do. So um, if you look through the craniosacral curriculum through Upledger Institute, even if you are a pediatric therapist, they, you can't just jump into pediatrics. Pediatrics level one class is like level four. So you need some basic level of practice. And these workshops are hands-on workshops, again. So it's not about learning up here, because we all get that, but it's about your hands being able to feel it. It's like learning how to drive or learning to play piano. You cannot do that sitting at your desk and reading from a book about how to do it or watching somebody do it. You have to actually practice. And so practice on adults and work your way down in age is what I tell people always. But it's it's beneficial. I can't say enough about it. It's, you know. And, and how, how do you deal with the, the, the babies that don't stay still and you have to feel that and they are moving all the time and they are screaming and so that's, well, that, that, that's a challenge probably. Babies, yes, babies are moving targets. So um, if you cannot feel the rhythm on an adult who is laying still for you on the bed and um, being, you know, allowing you to do whatever you need to, then um, you should not be working on children at that point. You need to, that's where I meant, is practice on adults and work your way down in age as your skill develops. It's, it's a skill level, just like anything else. So if that's your interest, please go in that direction. I encourage you to do it. Um, I encourage everybody to learn because it makes you a better therapist for adults also. It softens your touch even further. So it's really important. Uh, but um, at the same time, they're nonverbal. And like you said, they're, when they're screaming, they're telling you something. Children with their behavior is communication. So when, if they're screaming and they're telling you, stop, just because you are an adult and they can't crawl away from you or their parent is, that's not therapy. That's not craniosacral therapy at least. If you can tune into their system and use just the right amount of touch, just the right kind of touch, just the right amount of pressure, kind of meeting them where they're at is what we say. Okay, um, just using very... So it's not very light, it's not too light, it's not too heavy. It's what that baby needs or what that child needs in that moment. Um, you will find that they're not going to cry as much. And what you will be able to, with practice, also discern what type of crying. 
because we talk about sometimes when you release tissues, there's emotional stuff that comes forth. So um, as the tissues release, whatever emotional issues might be present and contained within that area or associated with that area might come up for also. As an adult, you might be able to verbalize that. Um, children don't have that. And so um, it will come out as crying or, you know, trying to fight you off. And so the, we as the therapist need to be knowledgeable and skillful enough to discern whether this crying is the emotional release that is associated with their tissues that are releasing and re reorganizing, or is this crying saying, hey, you're hurting me, or hey, I've had enough for today, please stop. So, yeah, so that would be my next question. It would be like, how do you measure the results in like babies? How do you know that you accomplish what you wanted and, and, and made like an impact on their lives? Or like, how do you measure that? That's a very good question. Very good question. So um, simple thing, right? My baby is constipated. Now he's pooping every day. Okay, there's your result. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My baby doesn't sleep. It's it's colicky babies won't you know cannot sleep. Now my baby is sleeping ten hours a night. So um, right there, you have result. Um, you could have babies that have plagiocephaly or torticollis, and so when you have uh, that, uh, that's more objective measurements that you can take. If you have cranial asymmetry. Mm -hmm say um, eight millimeters or 13 millimeters, whatever it might be. Now, not only are you seeing the symmetry kind of visually look, their head looks better or their facial asymmetry looks better, but you can actually measure the millimeters of change in their cranium. If you have a child with torticollis, you might have, you know, when you evaluate at first, maybe they can turn left all the way and then infants you have your chin actually, you know, mine just goes up to here. In infants, it's beyond 90 <laughs> for most of them. It's a little beyond 90. So, so their chin actually go, lines up to their shoulder. And maybe on the other side, it only goes 45 degrees or 60 degrees. Uh, maybe the side bending's affected to either side and it's asymmetrical. So you have these range of motion measurements that once you work with their system, um, change and they can now they have symmetrical movements and they can easily move to both sides maybe they cannot latch on they have trouble with their mouth and tongue organization and I think um, you know I, I don't want to go off track into nursing babies that's a whole different topic but but it helps with lactation um, latching on and um, it helps so really it, it, if you can get your free up the tissues for improved range of motion, for improved function, it's easy to measure. It's easy. They don't have to come and tell you. The parents will notice it. Yeah. I uh, The baby that I saw once that I did this visceral manipulation, he had like vomiting jets. I don't know how you call it. They were super strong. Um, and he had like super often and then after the therapy, I think it was one or just two sections, and and he reduced like significantly the the amount of times that that happened. 
So I was impressed. I think that's another way you can measure. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, when we talk about, um, so Upledger Institute, under the umbrella of IAHE, like International Alliance of Healthcare Educators, they have all these different types of um, approaches, if you will. Craniosacral is one of them, visceral manipulation is one, um, lymphatic, uh, you know, treatment, lymphatic drainage is one, and so they have a lot of different things. But um, once you get to a certain skill level, you realize that the human body, everything's connected. You have your fascia and you have your craniosacral system, but there is connections to the visceral system and the lymphatic system flows through both. And so, so there's not, you know, musculoskeletal system is there. So at the end of the day, we are one body and everything either connects or flows through or somehow is um, associated with the other thing. You know, people say, well, are you doing level one cranial techniques or are you doing level two cranial techniques? Well, it doesn't matter. It's you, once you develop your skill level, then you can use visceral approach, cranial approach, whatever is in your tool belt to help the person. And like you said, it takes the earlier you start, the less um, sessions it takes. It could be for babies, it could be a few sessions, handful of sessions, and you help them yeah. change their lives. Can you imagine if that baby kept vomiting and how would that work with um, nutrition and health and behavior? I think that's a very interesting topic. We could be here talking about it for like one more hour. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's get to our final questions. So, Vinaifer, what is your favorite resource of information? Any books or specific papers that you like? You know, um, I don't think I would say I don't have one favorite anything. Uh, I read a lot of different topics. I would just suggest keep an open mind, okay? Um, be curious. And anything that um, you hear about, see if you can. I'm sure now, I mean, we don't, when I was, you know, when I was younger, we had to actually go to the library or find a book to find that information. Now, ask Dr. Google. And or any you know internet whatever and it's there and you just have to find your sources. I will say this: I um, there's a book called Messages from Water, and I love that book because it's not like a highly technical book. It's mostly pictures, and I don't know. Are you familiar with that book, Mariana? No, no. So it's a book by uh, Imoto Masaru. And it, he was, his passion was taking photographs of water crystals. And he did this little research where water crystals that were exposed to like negative words, negative thoughts, and then he would take pictures and then pictures of water crystals oh. that are exposed to words like love and, you know, supportive, helpful words or music or environments. And what we, he realized was that those water crystals actually were malformed and murky and uh, didn't look as symmetrical and clear as the ones that were exposed to um, good things or good words, good environments, um, happy environments. So it makes me always think back to the fact that our bodies are 70 plus percent water. 
And if you think of your cerebrospinal fluid, that's like 99% water. So what do you think the effect of being surrounded by negative um, environments or negative belief systems has on our own health? So it always makes me wonder. And so. Yeah, I heard, I heard about that before. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Our body is mostly water, so it really makes us think what does these things make to our bodies and it's very interesting yeah and can i go to the second yes sure i was just thinking you could read my thoughts didn't you i was thinking about this other book which is not so picture book it's more um it's called biology of belief and it talks about belief systems and how that affects you at a cellular level so that's a pretty cool book too it's an older book but um very nice. nice. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, so what would be the best advice that you give to clinicians that are starting their careers? I would say uh, know your basics. Rec learn anatomy, physiology. Pay attention to what is normal, okay? Get a sense of what is, because normal is a very whole spectrum of things. Your normal is different than my normal, right? So um, learn what is within normal limits. And yes, you know, we talk about a lot right now about evidence-based practice and protocol. Those are all very, very important places. But beyond all of that, I would say um, beyond all of that is the person. So learn to listen to the person, to their um, story, to their, what the story their body is telling you and go from there. Yeah, nice. And last question, what personal qualities or abilities that you think are important to become a successful physical therapist? I would say just being curious, okay? Uh, take an interest in things, but also, again, remember, you're treating a person, you're not treating a diagnosis. So try not to be mechanical in your approach. Uh, also, you know, as physical therapists, we're always trained to fix things. What I would say now, 30 years out from, you know, graduation, I would say, try not to fix. Don't fix things because that makes you very mechanical. Um, try and help them achieve whatever goals that they have for themselves. Leave your agenda at the door. Um, just take time to help them achieve their goals and you'll be successful. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful uh, advice. Very important, very cool. Over the years, you start to think the way you think about patients comparing to the beginning of your career. So I like to hear the people's uh, advice and knowledge. And I think they're, they're all very interesting. So Dr. B. Neifer, if someone wants to know more information about you and your work, where they can find this information? Uh, um, well, you could Google me if you know how to spell my name. <laughs> no, you can, you can find me. I'm on the Upledger website because I'm one of their instructors. So if you, they have a listing of anybody who has ever taken a class through them all through the world. So it's International Association of Healthcare Practitioners, IAHP. So if you do IAHP.com, 
and um, do find a practitioner. You'll find me in there. I'm in Michigan. My last name is Bugley, B-U-G-L-I. I don't think there's too many Bugleys around. Um, you could also look for me on the Michigan Ear Institute website. So that's basically michiganear.com. And um, you, we also have a website for our PT clinic, which is um, physical with an F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L, physical.com, and then it's slash Farmington Hills. So my information is on, on all of those areas. Nice. So I'm going to make sure to put everything on the show notes so people can look up for you easier if they want to contact you or want to learn a little bit more about everything we talked about. We hope that we help to spread the word and people or someone may be interested in learning more or going deeper on these areas that are very different from the traditional physical therapy. So that's our our goal here, trying to bring different information for uh, physical therapists. So Binaifer, thank you very much for um, taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate everything that you bring to the table, all this different information and, and knowledge and experience. So I'm very thankful um, for, for you here today. Oh, thank you, Mariana. I'm flattered that you have me on your show. Questions, suggestions, or topics you want to hear about, talk to me on ptprotalk.com. Join our email list to receive updates and new episodes and subscribe here. Tell your friends about it and be sure to share. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. We are going to publish today's video recording on my YouTube channel, so you can check the link out in the show notes. Thanks for joining us and I'll see you next time.